Welcome back to the Fueled and Well podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about some sneaky exercise and food habits that might be keeping you from recovering your period once and for all. Now, these are not by any means an extensive list, but I have picked six things that I find are some of the most common mistakes that women are making during their period recovery process. Let's get started. This episode is going to be short and sweet because I want you to be able to quickly listen to this and immediately know what you might need to step away and work on instead of diving really deep into the why behind all of these reasons. I've said it in many podcast episodes before, education is great, but taking action is such a big piece of this process, right? You can learn everything there is to learn about HA recovery and hormones and how you should be eating and exercising. But if you're not truly implementing it and sticking with it over time, it really doesn't matter. So habit number one that I find keeps a lot of women stuck is that they try to eat intuitively at the beginning of their period recovery process. So that might look like I only eat when I'm hungry, or I always stop when I start to feel full, or I'm just trying to listen to my body, which are all really lovely things to eventually implement. And even with intuitive eating, right, you don't just eat when you're hungry and you don't always stop when you're full. But I find women will cling to some of the aspects of intuitive eating that feel like safe and potentially like maybe they'll keep themselves from overeating if they do some of these principles sort of right i see a lot of that keeping women stuck and i have talked about this i did a whole intuitive eating for recovery episode recently which we'll link in the show notes but if you haven't listened to that something really important to note is that when you are early on in period recovery your hunger and fullness cues are probably not that reliable yet because those cues actually rely on certain hormones. And obviously, if you're not getting your period, then your hormones are likely not super balanced. So trying to dive into intuitive eating too early can definitely take you off course. Second one, not taking rest days. So there is no exact science behind exactly how much exercise you can or can't do in recovery, it is going to be relatively individual. However, what I see a lot is women will say, okay, well, I gave up, you know, running or I canceled my Orange Theory or Berries membership, but now I'm going on hour-long walks or I'm doing the 12, 330 incline treadmill workout like twice a day, right? And they're not actually programming in rest days. They've just traded higher intensity exercise for maybe a lot of low intensity exercise because they're afraid of truly taking rest days, right? I even have clients who will say, oh, well, today was an active rest day, right? Where, you know, I didn't do anything that quote unquote felt like a workout to me, but I took my dog on an hour long walk because he needed it. If any of this sounds like you, where taking true rest days is a fight, I would highly encourage 
that you listen to some of the exercise-specific episodes we've done. We have a really, really great one on your relationship to exercise, which was a guest interview from a while back that I'll link, and then a more recent one as well. But something that I encourage my clients to examine when they're really, really fighting the concept of truly resting is what does exercise do for you? What benefits is it providing you? And how can we get you those benefits in another way so that you don't feel like you are missing out on something positive when you take a rest day? Because a lot of times I find that's one of the barriers. Certainly another barrier is, you know, I'm afraid to gain weight. And so if I stop exercising, that might happen. But if you have accepted that your body is going to change and it feels like, ah, I don't know what it is, but it's not quite that that's keeping me from taking a rest day. Maybe it's, you know, the stress relief or maybe it's the time that I get to spend alone or the time I get to spend outside. But if you continue to stay active on basically a daily basis, even if you've modified that activity, that could be a barrier to recovery as well. So this one I kind of just covered, but I want to talk about it a little bit more specifically because I see it happen so, so often. A lot of women, when they find out that higher intensity exercise is not recommended during recovery, will say, okay, heard it, I don't like it, but I will stop doing that higher intensity exercise. And then they pick up more low intensity exercise, almost as a way to compensate. That is not ideal either. While high intensity exercise is going to probably be more problematic because of your body's stress response, we still don't want to be doing something like trading 30 minutes of running for an hour and 15 minutes of walking. That's not going to help us dig ourselves out of this hole, right? Now, again, because there is no hard and fast cutoff on how much exercise is necessarily appropriate, that doesn't mean that a longer walk once or twice a week is going to hinder everyone's recovery. However, if you look at your previous habits and your current habits and you notice, oh, yeah, I have traded, you know, three or four hit classes a week for twice as much walking, that could be something that is holding you back, even if it feels like, but I'm doing something so much easier on my body now, right? It's all so, so subjective and it totally depends on your genetics, what your body can tolerate, what habits you came from. But definitely something to be mindful of and get honest with yourself about. Number four, not addressing stress. So I know that because losing your period is like such an objective physical manifestation of a health concern, that it can be really easy to think about food and exercise changes and then overlook kind of the mental health side or stress side of things. However, stress can play a really big role if it is mismanaged. We spend a whole week in my coaching program talking about stress and how to audit your stress and look at it in a way that's objective and action-oriented because it really is so important to ensure that you're not doing all of these really great things on the physical side and then ignoring the mental health side, which plays such a big role in your nervous system, which we know impacts your hormones and your ability to recover your period. So if you have a really busy full life or a high stress job or you're juggling maybe school and work or you just find yourself dealing with a lot of 
dysregulation around, you know, maybe your emotions and anxiety, I would highly recommend you spend a little bit more time digging into stress to see if there are things you could improve there. It could be as simple as five minutes of journaling a day, five minutes of breath work a day, or we could really build and maybe look into things like therapy. There's actually some really cool studies on cognitive behavioral therapy in particular and period recovery success. So obviously quite like a wide spectrum to choose from in terms of how you address it. But if you aren't addressing it at all, you're likely hindering your recovery process. Habit number five is continuing to monitor your body, whether that be weighing yourself daily, once a week, just whenever you feel like it, or maybe body checking by trying on certain clothes or keeping that full-length mirror in your room and looking at your stomach a couple times a week or every morning. There's so many different ways that you might be keeping a close eye on your body changes in this recovery phase. And if you're doing that, even if you don't believe that it is causing you to eat or exercise differently, it is crazy what keeping tabs on our body can do for our perception of how well we're taking care of ourselves. And let me explain what I mean. So let's say you weigh yourself and you don't like the number you see on the scale that morning. You might think that it doesn't affect how you're doing with, you know, your physical recovery habits because you don't choose to skip lunch or because you don't automatically re-download MyFitnessPal. However, there are subtle ways that body checking might change your habits that day that you don't even notice, right? Things like when that first sign of hunger pops up, you ignore it a little bit longer than you know you should. Or when you meant to take your dog for just a quick spin around the block, something in your brain goes, oh, but it's so nice out. Let's go an extra 30 minutes today. Something that you might not automatically connect back to, I'm doing this because I didn't like the number on the scale this morning. However, it's still a behavior that moves you further away from your goal of period recovery because you aren't staying true to what you really, really need to be doing. If you are still keeping tabs on your body, you're just leaving that door cracked open, right? Like you're just leaving that option on the table to potentially undereat or exercise more than you should or disconnect from what your body needs or from the recovery protocols that a couple days ago you really trusted when the scale looked different. So the goal shouldn't be I'm going to keep weighing myself and hope I like what I see. The goal should be I'm going to try to remove that trigger so that it's not even on the table for me to feel upset and then make an unwise decision because of that information. And lastly, mistake six that I see a lot of women make, changing your approach to recovery too often. So I know that there's a lot of information about period recovery out there, and there's certainly an overlap in a lot of what those of us with legitimate training in this area will say. However, everyone still has a different approach, right? 
Everyone has different things that they focus on more than others. And if you're getting some of your information from influencers or people, you know, without training in this area, you could also be getting information that is counterproductive to recovery. And when we mix a variety of different approaches and maybe some bad info all together, it can feel really overwhelming to know if what you're doing is enough. So if this one resonates with you, where you're like, yeah, I've made good changes, but also I change what those changes are really often, I would encourage you to do two things. One, choose just a couple of sources to get your information from and mute or unfollow the rest for right now just so that things feel a little bit more focused. And then listen to episode 39 where we talk about if what you're doing for period recovery is working and how to track signs that it is working. And I want you to listen to that episode, absorb that information, and decide how you're going to start to track your personal progress so that you can feel confident and grounded in the approach you're taking. Give it a few months of whatever that approach may be, and then if you still are not seeing the change that you want to see, if you still haven't gotten your period, maybe then it's time to change course. But adjusting your exercise routine or the way you're approaching food or how much you're eating every week or every two weeks is unlikely to be the best route to help your body feel safe and consistent enough to start cycling again. So as a review, one, pare down the sources that you're getting your info from right now just so that there's less noise. And two, check out episode 39 so that you can kind of get your head on straight and feel as though you have some kind of North Star, something to guide you through keeping an eye on your own progress and feeling confident in that progress. Now, as I mentioned at the top of this episode, this is by no means an extensive list of everything that might be hindering your recovery. But from what I see with working with women on this all of the time, these are some of the heavy hitters. I hope that hearing this list of common mistakes and missteps has been helpful for you. I know that recovery is such an individual process, but a lot of us do find ourselves coming up against the same kind of stumbling blocks. So I really, really hope this highlighted some areas that you can still work on so that a month or two months from now, you are much closer to getting your period than you've ever been before. As always, if you have any questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram. I will link that in the show notes. I will also link the wait list for our coaching so that the next time we run a period recovery breakthrough group, you are the first to know. And I will also drop the link for a free get to know you call where we can talk about one-on-one -on -one coaching options as well. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I wish you the best of luck in evaluating your habits and taking further steps in your recovery. And I will see you next week.